Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Well, guys, I'm excited because there is a message that has been stirring in my heart literally since last Sunday, and I have been speaking Jesus over this message all week because I don't really want to talk about it because for me, there's a part of me that says about this message, does it really matter? And there's the other part of me that's like, no, it set me free, so it may set somebody else free. Okay, let me unpack this for you. You see, last week, um, as we were ending worship, for one, words really matter to me, guys. When we're speaking, when I'm sharing, words matter how they come out. If I say something and I end the service and I'm like, I said that the wrong way, I go through this whole phase in my body where I get anxious because I'm like, did they receive it the right way or did they receive it the wrong way? And did I say it the right way? And sometimes I won't even listen to my messages because I will, I will nitpick it apart and, and be like, that wasn't said right. Oh no, someone heard the wrong thing. And that's not the heart of God. And Kim, you shouldn't have said that. And so back to the point is last Sunday, as worship was wrapping up, the Lord had been like revealing some things to me as I was down here worshiping. And I came up on stage and I was, I was speaking to you guys, the things that the Lord was revealing to me that I felt like I needed to share with you guys. And as I was doing that, a statement came out of my mouth that I have not said, and it's not, I didn't cuss on stage, y'all. You don't have to go back and review the video. I didn't do anything that is like that. But I said a statement that I don't even believe anymore. And it checked me in the very moment of standing up here. And you guys, we've told you this from the very beginning. If you know us and you've heard us for, preach at any amount, we'll tell you, like, if we don't believe what we've said at one point, we'll come back and share that with you. Because I want to be transparent and vulnerable with you. And I want to let you know, like, hey, I don't really believe that. And so I said something in an encouraging way. And I, the intent behind it is, is good. But what I said was the statement, God wants to use you. And I know if you've been a part of church or around church, that statement is just a very common statement. We just use it, and we kind of use it in ways that we don't even realize sometimes, and we don't realize the actual, sometimes the meanings behind that and the pressure that that statement comes with. And so when I said it, I was saying it because in my heart, what I really felt the Lord was revealing to me, are there going to be things that God is going to ask us to do, and he's going to want you to step beyond yourself to do it. And that's what the intent of it was, because I fully believe that God wants nothing more than to partner with who he's called you to be. He wants you to partner with him to walk in the fullness of who he's called us to be. But when I said that, like I said, it checked me in that moment. And in that moment, my head is spinning and I'm like, how do, I, how do I reframe this to make it the way I know it's supposed to be? So like I said, some of you may think that's not really a big deal, but I want to unpack with you today why it's been a big deal for me because over the last like decade of my life, I've had to undo this statement. And so when it came out, it was quite shocking because I'm like, I don't really ever say that anymore but I did used to believe it in the way that I said it. And so 
That's what we're going to be unpacking today. And like I said also, I do believe the intent behind the statement is well-meaning. It is to encourage you and it is to like push you to do what, what you believe God is leading you to do. But what we don't realize sometimes is the impact of a word. And the word used, if we all think about it long enough, no one wants to be used. Have you ever been used by another person? Everyone has been used by somebody, right? You, they use you for what they need you for, and then they dis, disregard you. They just throw you away. They don't call you no more. They don't reach out to you. They're done with you because they got what they needed, right? That's why this word matters so much to me and how I use it, referring to God. Because God is not a God who wants to use his children, And it's very important because I'm not even on my outline here all the way. It's very important to me because as the next generation comes up, I want them to understand understand the heart of God. I knew the God who wanted to use me as a young teenager. And man, the battle that that created within me was really strong and was really hard to overcome because I felt like I was constantly searching what is it, is it, am I okay? What is it that you're wanting to use me to do? I felt like I was on this constant search to find out what is it, God? And then I also felt this heavy pressure constantly of trying to figure out how do I live up to the expectation of what the church has made it to look like to be used by God. It was so heavy and I spent years there Years. And you want to know what it created? It didn't create freedom. It didn't create chains being broken off. It created me landing in a stuck spot. It created me being imprisoned to that word used. And so that's why this message is so important to me this week. You see, our words have power. They can be empowering and we can encourage someone but they can also tear someone down and they can become bondage to someone. For me, that word became my bondage, not my freedom, not my encouragement. Um, Our words are like our eyes. Does anyone have that mom or that parent or that friend who can give you that look and you just know, ooh, that's not good. That's not going to be good. William Paul Young says this. He says that our eyes and our words are like windows to our souls. That's so good. Our words and our eyes. My husband's laughing because we've been together long enough now that I can give him a look. And he's like, oh, no, she is not okay. Let me not speak to her. I'm going to go the opposite direction. But the thing that's so different about us is I can use my eyes because I feel like that's where I can be kind of strong at, but he has the power of words and his words can cut and can go deep, but he's always had great way of speaking words. Even from the stage when he's sharing, he can share things. And I'm just like, how do you just do that? Like that, like I I would at some points just not even want to be up here because I'm like, you do it way better. You can say this way better than I can say it because you are more eloquent, eloquent, I think is the right word. And you can just speak a lot better than me. But I have a way with my eyes that I can just look at him and he's like, oh no, she is not okay. So our eyes and our words do have power and they can speak to people without us, with speaking or without speaking. And it's, it's, a, it's a window to our souls. And I think that's a, that's a really cool thing. You see, 
the word of God, which is Jesus, we've unpacked that numerous times in, in, our, in our messages and over the weeks, but the word of God that's spoken of in scripture is Jesus. Jesus is the word in flesh that came to reveal to us the heart of God, okay? And the word is how everything came to be. Everything came to be by the word. So I can respect the power of words, right? And we have to understand that there are, they are powerful. In John 1, 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was God, and the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. You see, I can respect the power of words, but I also, also believe that we have to highlight where words need to be corrected and how we can use words as weapons. So words can bring life, can bring light, can create the cosmos, but the words can be weaponized as well. And I think that's what I'm really wanting to highlight today in this, this, this understanding of God using me, or God wants to use you, or God has something that he's going to do, and he needs to use you to complete this mission. Because those words can be encouraging to some, but they can be controlling, manipulative, and weaponized in some situations as well. And like I said, you guys, I think almost everybody raised their hand to, have you ever been used by another person? We all raised our hands. If you've been a part of any relationship over the last whatever extent years you've been married or not married, uh, alive, 41 years here, I've been used by people. It doesn't feel good. There's no safety or security in that, correct? Our relationship with the Lord should create a safety and a secure relationship, feeling. And that's what God wants us to do. So like I said, I've been shifting my view of this over the last decade because it has been something that has held me hostage. You see, we use things like tools, right? You use a tool, right? Everybody has, everybody has used some type of tool for me. I use curling irons. That's the tool of choice for me. I do hair. I use curling irons. I use scissors. I use blow dryers. I use tools. We all use our shoes mostly every day, right? Some of us, if you're in this room, you have shoes on probably, right? Maybe, hopefully. We use, we use our cars to get to and from where we're going. We use our phones and our iPads and my cup. We use all of these, but what are the things we're using? They're objects. These are objects that we are using. Have we used people? Every one of us in this room at some point in your life probably has used another person. Is it Christ-like? No. But have we done it? Probably. Not purposefully. Sometimes it is purposely. I'm not, I'm not speaking for you. But sometimes it is can be purposefully. But people aren't created to be used. We are not objects. We are, the, we are God's children. Like, he calls us his beloved. We're not objects to be used, but people to be loved on and to be adored and to be, to be challenged, to disciple, to grow, to shine the light of Christ to others. We're not a light stand. 
like it speaks of in the Bible, it's metaphorically speaking of the body of Christ, but we're not a light stand, we're not an object that sits to just shine light in that one room. We're actually the human, we are humans who are meant to be in relationship, who are not meant to use each other or be used by another. I think that we have to be really careful because I've been a part of church for a really long time and probably jumping ahead of myself, but I've been a part of church for a really long time. And I know what it's like to be used by someone and be used by a ministry or at least feel used by ministry. I also know what it's like to use someone and gain of something because we're pushing so fast and we're moving so quickly and we got to make this stuff happen. And in order to do that, we need what? People. But at the cost of relationships, people get used. And when you use someone and they're no longer of use to you, what happens at that point? You disregard them and you end the relationship. That's what it looks like to be used. And I, I, like I said, I've been a part of, of, a, of organizations and a part of like ministry and a part of trying to build what I think God's calling me to do and used people, but I've also been a part of it where I've been on the receiving end. And so that's why it's so important for me to reframe this statement because the heart of God is not to use us, but it's to partner with us. The heart of the Father is to partner with the true you and pull out who you're called to be, to grow in those areas, to be challenged, to develop you in those areas. His true heart for you is a friendship Because in partnership and in friendship, there's intimacy. And that's the heart of the Father from the very beginning. And we, for some reason, keep getting it wrong. But guess what we can do if we keep getting it wrong? What can we do? We can correct it and start making changes to get it right. And that's why speaking on being used by God for me today is so important because this is a small change in how we think about God. This is a small change about how we speak about God. Because for some of you, it might not matter. But let me tell you, if you've ever been abused or in an abusive situation, to be someone to say to you, God wants to use you, It is the one thing you want to walk away from at that point because I don't want anyone to ever use me again in my life. And I will put a barrier up at that point. There will become a wall. I might say, use me, God, but you want to know what that's created? A wall because I'm only going to allow so much intimacy because I know what it's like to be used. And it doesn't feel good. I would never... I would never walk and look at my husband and just be like, hey, babe, I just need to use you. I might say, babe, you're taller than me, and I need to use you for this moment to reach something because I'm so short. But the weight of that statement doesn't carry the same weight of the statement God wants to use you. It's a different, it's a, it's a whole different dynamic there. That's for a moment. When we say God wants to use you, that's like for your life. Like, what do you mean? What does that even look like? I would never say that to him. I would never, never say that to my children. Can you think about that? Like, think about what your kids would look at you and say if you're like, 
hey, if I said, hey, Micah and Jojo, I need to use you to go do X, Y, and Z, they're going to be like, mm, what? You want me to do something? Not use. That's just not the verbiage that we would want to use with our children. <laughs> it's just not. Like, that's not the way I want my kids to grow up thinking that it's okay to allow other people to use them in that way. I want to partner with you. I am in the journey right now of partnering with my children and learning how to help them do life best in this world that they are growing up in. That is, looks nothing like it did when I was younger. And now I really feel like my mom up here back in my day, but it looks so much different. And the way that I have to parent is I have to partner with them. I have to come alongside them. It has to, I have to create this relationship and a friendship where they trust me to come to me and to share. Not a relationship that's based about using and when I'm done, you're done. You see, the statement of being used puts pressure on each person to not only figure out what God wants to use them for, and this is how I felt, but like, the, like I said a few, a few minutes ago, the pressure to live up to some standard that's been put in front of you. And it's just, that's just not okay. That's not my heart to ever do that, to put some pressure on you guys that you have to live up to some standard of whatever the standard is that you've got set in your mind because every one of us would have a different one. You see, the idea of being used can also shift our view of ourselves. It can affect how we treat others, and most importantly, it will always influence how you relate to God. You see, the meaning, uh, the meaning of use is to take, to hold, to, to deploy something as a means of accomplishing a purpose or achieving a result. To Paul's right there before I go any further is Jesus did it. Jesus came and revealed the heart of the Father to the world. The only mission that we have now is to love. It breaks it down. It's like, here's the top three, here's the top two. And then Jesus says, out of all of them, the most important is to love. Love does not encompass being used because it's, that's just not, go back and read all the love verses. I didn't even include those today. Go back and read in, in 1 Corinthians about love. It's not what, what, used, what equals to used. It's not about taking. It's not about holding. God is like all open arms to us. Everything he has is ours. We just have to embrace it. We have to receive it. You see, when we believe that the gospel is all about building and gathering God's people to make this God army, to, to make sure that every person gets a, a get out of hell card, then being used makes sense. At least in my mind, because when I believed that was what the purpose and the mission of God was for me, it was about using people. I need to make sure that you have got this get out of hell card, that you have said the right prayer, that you are doing the right thing so that then I look like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So the way it looks outwardly for some people is like, well, that doesn't look like you're using anybody, but it is. I'm using you to get 
the, the credit that I feel like I need to get from God. That, like, that's not how it works. But when we understand that the gospel that Jesus revealed to us is showing us that hum- with that all of humanity, that God is good with us. He loves us. He adores us. Now we just have to receive and accept that he is okay with us and that he loves us and that he has accepted us as his children. That is what love on display looks like. That's what the purest form of love is, is that God's good with you. Allow it to be okay in your heart with God. That's the gospel. And at that point, what is my mission? Love. To love. I'm not on a mission to make sure that I've done all the right things and that you're doing all the right things. My mission is to love you. Is to love you. And with love comes discipleship. And with discipleship sometimes comes like correction. But it's not without love. And it's not so that I can gain some point on God's chart up in heaven saying, oh, Kim, Kim got another one. That's not how it works. That's not what it is. Love is not going to use us and throw us away. I am not called to use you and throw you away. No person in leadership, in ministry, in a church should have a mission to use someone and then throw them away because that's not the heart of God. It's just not. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. Who would call someone their child and then say, I need to just use you? That's not how it works. We have to change our minds about how we see things. He calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. But whose responsibility is is it to show the world whose children we are? It's ours. And how do we do that? By love, by relationship. There is no way that we can love someone without having a relation. Sorry, there's no way we can have a relationship with someone without loving them. And when we love someone and we have a relationship with them, they will see your heart for God. In Romans 8, 16, and I love, love, love this verse. It says, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. You are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. I love the way that's translated. I love it because it says for God's beloved child that he whispers that into the innermost being. That's where, that's where we are most Christ-like. If you feel like you aren't revealing Christ in any, any way, that's where Christ is at in your innermost being and where you are being developed to shine that light in those areas that maybe you don't think you're shining it. In the innermost being. You see, a relationship is not about being used by uh, using another, but about fellowship, partnership, and intimacy. You see, the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in a relationship. Neither of them are using the other. They are in a a communion, I can't even say the word. They are in communion with one another in constant intimacy, friendship, 
And that's what God wants from us and with us. That's always been his heart from the very beginning. We get it wrong, but we can correct it. We can change it. You see, some of us have been in those relationships where they've been not necessarily great relationships where you've been used. And, and, and sometimes what we have to realize is because of the verbiage that we use and the way that we've seen life work in our, in our life or how relations, relationships have worked, we think it's okay. We think it's okay to just be used by someone, but it's not okay. God wants you to feel safe and secure with him. Because that's his heart. That's the father's heart. Just like we want our kids to feel, like I said, I want my kids to feel safe and secure. That's God's heart as well, is that you feel that. You see, the, the gospel is about freedom, right? It's about freedom. Everybody just say yes. It is. I'm going to let you know, check. It's about freedom. Yep. It's about freedom. The gospel is not about being enslaved, right? But if you are being used by someone, you are being enslaved by that person because you're doing what they need you to do in whatever way. That's not what God wants for us. Because for one, that's not Christ-like. When we look at the life of Christ, we look at the disciples, we look at all of these people that Jesus encountered. He didn't use them. He partnered with them. Every one of the disciples, you want to know what he partnered with? He partnered with the Christ in them. He partnered with who they, are, who they are at the true core. We would look at them and be like, you're just fishermen, or you're just a tax collector, or you're just whatever. And God's like, that's not who I see. Jesus said, let me partner with you, and let's go on this journey. And he developed them. He challenged them, but he developed them, and he loved on them, and he had a relationship with them. He had an intimacy with his disciples that it wasn't about just using them and discarding them. It was about, we're going to go on this thing together and I'm going to teach you everything I can and I'm going to pour, in you, pour into you all that I can so that when I no longer am here, you will keep going. In Luke 4, 18 through 19, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. When we begin to see how God is wanting to partner with us, the fear of failing, the fear of losing, the fear of not being able to achieve things, it loses its power. Because the power that happens in that moment when we think that God wants to use us, like I said, this is where I stayed at forever. This is where I stayed stuck. This is a great plug for me right now because I have a 40-day devotion called Unstuck on Amazon. You can buy it anytime. Um, <laughs> when we no longer allow those, that way of thinking to hold us captive, we no longer are stuck in that process of thinking that I have to be, that I'm going to be used. Because I can tell you, it will hold you captive. I've been there. It will make you think. I remember praying, God, I keep hearing this, like, you want to use me. And people would say it because, like, I would have a moment where I would, like, step and be bold, I guess, and actually share something. And I would have people be like, God's going to use you. God wants to use you. And I'm like, what does that even mean? 
And how do I do this? Because everything in me is fearful and everything in me is a scaredy cat and anxious and just that's not going to happen. And I searched and searched and I wasn't hearing anything because I was searching for the wrong thing. God's like, it's not about that. I just want to be your friend. And you know, when you just finally get to that spot where you're like, I just want to be friends with the Lord then all of a sudden, all of the things that you've been asking and praying for all start making sense. And it's no longer pressure, but it's walking in the freedom. It's no longer like, what is the calling I have to do? But man, I just walk in it because God just wants to partner with who you really are. When we say like, what is your calling? I want you to know that everything that God has ever called me to, it's always been in here. It's always been a talent or a gifting or something that I've always desired to do. If it has to do with crafting, I've loved crafting. It's just, I just can walk that out differently. I've always loved writing when I was younger. Um, And so it's always been in there. I've always loved talking because when I was a kid, everybody used to tell me I talked so much. But for some reason, at some point, my voice just shut out. And I stopped because I was afraid. Because what if I say the wrong thing? Or the mindset, I'm just not smart enough to do that. Everything God will call you to, you already have the capability to do it. Will you have to develop it? Absolutely. Will you have to practice it? Yeah. But you already have it in you. Sometimes he's going to call you to do something that you, you know that you have that like gut feeling like, I know I'm supposed to do it, but I have no clue how to do it. He's going to guide you through it. He's not asking you to do something that's like so off the wall that you're like, I would never. If you think long enough, you'd be like, okay, it makes sense. At like five, this was something I actually desired to do. God's like, yeah, now you get to do it. At 45, 55, 65, you're never too old. But he wants to partner with you because what's in you, he gave you. He's just waiting for you to say, let's go. He's just waiting, not in a using way, but in a partnership, a friendship. You see, as an example, real quick, before I uh, get ready to close, I think. No, I still have more. Um, I would never come to you guys. I might be wrapping up early. As I come, if I come to you guys in an in a area where I'm asking you to serve, I would never walk up to you and say, hey, Connie, can I use you to make coffee today? That would be weird. I would say, hey, would you like to make coffee today? I would never be like, Debbie, can I use you at the door? Can I use you to hold that door open? That's what we have a brick out there for. The brick can hold the door open. No, can I partner with you because you have a great smile? You love people. You've told me that. Can we partner and can you serve at the front door this morning? That's my heart as a leader is to partner with you in areas you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, if you are an angry person and you're not going to smile, more than likely I'm not partnering with you to come serve at the front door. (laughs) I love you and you can do other things, but... I want to partner with you guys just like God wants to partner with you. And I want you to be able to express your gifts, your talents, the things that you enjoy doing in the way that you enjoy doing it. But that's my heart, not to use you, but to partner with you in areas that you already know you enjoy. I want to, I'm going to be getting ready to close up. I want to make sure I've uh, hit everything because I had like 
a couple more pages here. I know. I had a lot to say about this. Oh, this one is important. Our serving, our serving should be a response to our freedom, never a means to our freedom. If I think that God needs to use me, more than likely, I think that needs to be a check on my box that God used me as a means to my freedom versus God's wanting to partner with me. And in the response of that, I'm going to go smile at that front door and let everybody in, even when it's freezing. That's, that's the response. I'm not saying anyone needs to go serve at the front door. It's just an illustration. I'm not pounding serving or anything like that. Sorry. Didn't want you to think that this morning. I'm just saying it is, it is the response to our freedom that we get to do these things, that we get to partner with the Lord, Lord, with the Lord and we get to serve in these ways. We get to go, if you love making coffee, then partner with the Lord and make coffee. I don't really love making coffee, but I love drinking it. I don't love making it so much that I pay Starbucks rent half the time, I think. <laughs> I do. I drink a lot of Starbucks and I pay them a lot of money. But I think if we realize that uh, being used by God, that statement creates distance. Because a lot of us will put those barriers up. But when we recognize that he wants to partner with us, that's a different level of intimacy that we're willing to walk with the Lord in. Because when you want to partner with me, that means that, that means that you actually like me. That means that you want to be friends with me. That means that you see all of me and you still accept me. Because that's what God can. Y'all can't. But God knows all of me. And he still says, I want to be your friend. But the moment I feel I'm being used, it keeps a distance between me and God. Because I feel like when he's done with me, he's done. And he's on to the next best and better person. And that's just not his heart. I want to uh, read something to you guys um, that is a testimony from a gentleman. This is the book called The Lost Secret of the New Covenant. I want to read this to you because this gets to the point of the heart of God for all of us. And sometimes we miss it, but this is the moment we're able to shift that and recognize, you know what? It's not about what I do. It's not about how much we can do. If anything, it's about being friends with the Lord. And this gentleman had a huge encounter. And I'm going to read this to you, and I'm reading it from the book. I am not paraphrasing it because I do not believe I could do it justice. And I believe that everything that's written in here um, is just so good. So let me try and get through this and hold this the right way. And the mic. So hang with me, okay? It says, after addressing pastors in a meeting in Brazil, a young pastor shared his testimony. In broken English, he told me how he surrendered his life to God to preach the gospel. He left a, su a successful, blossoming business career, and his denomination sent him along with his wife and a baby girl to a remote village in a region of the Amazon. They threw themselves into preaching of the gospel with zeal and excitement. He prayed and employed all his strength in the attempt to fill the little church with converts. But nothing happened. The people didn't come. And the few Christians who were there 
when he arrived, did not share his excitement. He worked in the stifling humidity, watching his personal funds gradually drain away. Tithes from his tiny congregation were paid in vegetables. The weeks passed into months, and he watched in mental agony as his wife and children living on a starvation diet. His denomination assured him that they would send money, but it rarely came. He felt disillusioned and abandoned by God and humanity. One night, lying awake, sweating and shifting in the stifling heat, he felt his discouragement take over. He woke his wife and told her that he had decided they, were, they would return, that they would leave and return to Rio Janeiro, where he would resume his business career. But before leaving, he knew he had to process his anger towards God. He, he brought us up here and dumped us. He doesn't care whether we live or die. And I have to tell you how I feel. He angrily told his wife he left her to pack there while he went and spent time in a remote shack on the edge of the jungle to pour out his angry and confused heart to God. The the first morning in the tiny shack, the dam of his bent-up emotions burst. He railed and raged at God for bringing them to such a place, expecting him and his family to serve him under such impossible circumstances. He shook his fist and shouted, did you bring us here to starve us to death? And then wept at his own disappointment in God. In the early afternoon, he sensed the presence of God filling the cabin and a great stillness came upon him. He heard God speak clearly, indistinctly in his heart. He said, above all, I desire your friendship. If serving me interrupts and disrupts our friendship, I would rather you go back to your business and continue to be my friend. Your friendship is more important to me than all of your acts of service. He dissolved into tears and wept and wonder and joy that the the remainder of the afternoon Those few words had turned his whole concept of Christianity on its head. A God who wanted his intimate friendship more than his service was a concept that he had never considered in his craziest dreams. He had been... He had been uh, reared to think that God as, as a kind master to be served. He now realized that his whole Christian life had been an attempt to work for God rather than to live out a relationship of love and friendship. The story goes on and he and his family stay and continue, but it shifted the way they did everything in their little remote church and village that they were in. This is, this is the heart of God, is that if you are asking what God wants from you or what you need to do, or if you feel that you have to be used by God in some way, God wants you to know all he wants is your friendship. Because when you partner with God in friendship, the default is you will walk in the freedom of that. You will walk out what you're supposed to be doing and what that looks like. And so I just want you to know this morning, maybe this hit you like it hit me. Maybe you don't even believe any of it. Maybe you're like, I just need to process this. I want you to leave today knowing that above all else,
God wants to partner with you in friendship. He wants you to have a relationship with him above everything else. Stop praying, God, I want you to use me. God, how can you use me? How can I be used? Change that prayer to how can I partner with you, God? How can I partner with you and see the best in me just come out in all of these areas? That's the heart of God because he loves us. As I pray, the worship team, are you gonna do a worship song? Y'all can come up and do that. But I'm gonna pray for you guys this morning because for me, this has shifted my view and my relationship with the Lord that I don't have to strive. I don't have to try and be what someone else thinks I should be, what I've put the pressure on myself that I have to be whatever it is. I just get to live in the freedom of this is who I am and God loves me and I'm just gonna walk in it. And it's so freeing. And so I'm gonna pray that for you guys this morning. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for the friendship that is available to every one of us this morning. I pray that as we're going in this time of worship, that you just speak to each person's heart in this intimate moment, your heart for them, your desire to be their friend, to love them. And I pray that the desire that sometimes rises up in us to just do and do and do and strive, that you will just, you will just remove that from us. Yes, we have to do works, but not in the place to receive your love. That's not the heart of God. We're not trying to do to receive your love. We're gonna just receive your love. And the response to that, maybe we'll be doing something. I thank you, God. In Jesus' name, pray, amen. Would you stand to close?